You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where every episode we discuss a different album from Robert Emery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. Straits Brothers in Arms. In the room I have Rob. Woo-hoo. <laughs> uh, Jeremy. This young man. And on the line I have Ben. Woo! <laughs> Brothers in Arms is the fifth studio album by the British rock band Dire Straits, released on the 13th of May 1985 through Vertigo Records internationally and through Warner Brothers uh, in the US. The producer was Neil Dorfman and Mark Knopfler, and the genre is pop rock. I'm going to read from All Musical Reviews, Stephen Thomas Irwine. Brothers in Arms brought the atmospheric jazz rock inclinations of their previous Straits album, Love Over Gold, into a pop setting, resulting in a surprise international bestseller. Of course, the success of Brothers in Arms was helped considerably by the clever computer-animated video for Money for Nothing, a sardonic attack on MTV, but what kept the record selling was Mark Knopfler's increased sense of pop songcraft. Money for Nothing had an indelible guitar riff. Walk of Life is a catchy up-tempo boogie ver- ver- uh, variation on Sultans of Swing, and the melodies of the bluesy So Far Away and the down-tempo Everly Brothers style Why Worry were wistful and lovely. Dire Straits had never been so concise or pop-oriented, and it wore well on them. Though they couldn't maintain that consistency through the rest of the album, Brothers in Arms remains one of the most focused and accomplished albums in its succinct pop sense. It's distinctive within their catalog. All right, what do we think of Dire Straits, Brothers in Arms? Oh, you mean the 29th best-selling album of all time? (laughs) Yes, I do. For real? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's great. This is a very well-selling album. Yeah. I thought it was uh, that was okay. There, I think there's more good than bad. I, I would I would agree with that sentiment, Rob. Yeah, I would say so. It's very good production. Production is astounding. Stellar production. And Mark Knopfler's playing is quite crisp and very good. But overall, I'm I'm a little lukewarm on it. You know what I would have preferred? What's up? I would have preferred the uh, LP edit versus the CD version mm. that we had to listen to. Can I What's the difference? weave you a yarn? Yeah, please. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay, so first track, So Far Away, CD version, 5 minutes, 12 seconds, LP version, 3 minutes, 59 seconds, Money for Nothing, CD version, 8 minutes, 26 seconds, uh, LP version, 7 minutes, uh, CD version of uh, Your Latest Trick, 633, LP version, 4 minutes, 46 seconds. 
Why Worry, 831 on the CD, 522 on the LP. Hmm. They trimmed it down so it could fit. This was, this was made for CD. Hmm. This was specifically made for CD. It's a, it's a long run, uh, so they had to trim the stuff down for the LP. But to me, the, like it wanders a little bit on yeah. some of the tracks, and I think I would have preferred the abridged version. So they succinct, so, they cut it out a little bit. So yep. instead of cutting a song or two, they, it sounds like they took the scissors to just about every song on the album. I'd With the exception of the, the back half, there, nothing's been trimmed. It's <laughs> only the front half that has the... I'd be uh, curious to, to hear a few of those edits. Me too. I've got, a, I've got a reissue of the LP on two discs. So I think it's the CD version mm-hmm. on LP. Yeah, it's just... The singles, I, I get them. I mean, they're... They're good pop. It's it makes a lot of sense. I just I don't know what's not doing it for me and why it's not winning me over. And I think it's just money for nothing. A lot of times, and I hate to do this, but it's literally ZZ Top. I mean, this is a fucking <laughs> yeah. ZZ Top song, and I'd just rather listen to ZZ Top. Like I when you don't put it like this song. That it, yeah, it's so literal. Ben. Tell us how literal it was. Oh, B- Billy Gibbons was consulted on how to get that guitar sound. But in a, in a 1985 interview with Billy Gibbons, he said that he really didn't contribute that much, that Knopfler had already kind of figured it out by the time he got there. Yeah. Uh, a big part of it is Knopfler is switched from his traditional red Stratocaster that he plays on just about everything else to to a Gibson Les Paul for money for nothing, which uh, if if you, if you want that kind of condensed crunch, you really want those dual humbuckers. So that makes sense. But I guess I don't know what else they have going on to get the sound. But I know it's a uh, it's a Les Paul going through a wah pedal that's just on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's just got that 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 constant wah, you know. Yeah, it's got that slight, it's almost like a slight distortion that's coming, the humbucker, yeah. And then probably running through a Marshall or something like that. Instead oh, of, I'm sure. Because I feel like his tone typically is through... Uh, I would imagine like a twin or something like that. Yeah, right? I was going to say like a Fender twin. It, like uh, Mark, Mark Knopfler, he, I don't know if he ever was endorsed by Fender, but they, they should put his, more so than Eric Clapton, they should put like... 100%. Mark, Mark Knopfler, Mark Knopfler should be associated with, oh, do you want to see what a Fender can do? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Absolutely. like he like what a Stratocaster is designed to do. Mark Knopfler is cornering the market on how to make it sound like that, you know, yeah. and, and and he's got so much more style than than fucking Clapton. Oh, you know, Clapton plays by the book. He plays all the notes. But Knopfler, his guitar playing, he. You can you can you can hear a, a Dire Straits song you've never heard before, and just like there will be an opening guitar intro, and you'll be like, "Oh, that's probably Dire Straits," you know. He, like even on a song where he changes his sound so much that he's trying to sound like Billy Gibbons, he the, his style of playing you can still kind of tell it's him if you're listening for it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was surprised on this album that I remember the uh, previous Dire Straits. There was a bit more soloing. He had. He ha- he st- has a few solos that come about uh, that are kind of scattered throughout the album, but it's not a strong 
you know, he's not soloing on every song, which I actually kind of liked. I, you I know, appreciate that, yeah. Yeah, it, it's, he sprinkles them in when they're needed, which I felt was real tasteful. He yeah. could he could do the Clapton thing and have a solo on every song and, you know, run through the motions, but it's a much classier act to, to just kind of sprinkle it in when it's needed. Yeah, 100%. But yeah, I, I really wish that... I, well, I'm with you, Ben. Uh, Mark Knopfler should be the first name out of a person's mouth when they're talking about like the Fender sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just a couple of couple of hot takes on Money for Nothing. Um, I was driving down the road, blasting it as you do. Pull up to a stoplight, <laughs> and then you know, second verse kicks on. You're like, oh fuck, that line. Yeah, yeah. that's a that that that's not that's not great. Um, What's that line? <laughs> no, we're gonna do it. But you know, it, 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 there's there's a little thing that pisses me off about this, and that's that he's he's his voice doesn't normally sound like this. He's actually putting on Randy Newman voice to do this to tell you the audience <laughs> right. that this is that I am playing the part. You see, right? Yeah. That's really interesting. The bog speaks through me. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it's, it's such okay to say the N word in this voice. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know, like with, with a Randy Newman, like good old boys type thing, like you know, there's also a little more songcraft, singer songwriter thing going with it, which gave it a pass for me. Not that I would ever play the yeah. song, like, you know, at a party or anything. But, like, I, I understand what he was trying to do with this. It's just, like, a hard F. <laughs> and so... For a, for a long time now, live, he has substituted the word Queenie. That's that's correct. Instead of using faggot, he is using Queenie. Uh, which I find really interesting, because he wrote the song. It comes out in... I mean... What year is 85? it? 85. By Live Aid of 85, he's already saying Queen. Queen. Hmm. So well, what? I think, really? I think what that maybe there's something different. Re- re- record, like recording a song for an album as a character. Okay. Then, then be, play, being that character and saying those words in front of a stadium of people. Okay. Hmm. You know? Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Because, I, you know... He's playing Live Aid in in a I almost said Queen. Uh, uh, Sting is doing the I Want My MTV mm-hmm. on stage with them while they're playing Live Aid, and he's just right there, you know. And he changes the lyrics. I just couldn't. Yeah, maybe you're right, Ben. Maybe it is something about you know I want this the recorded version to be a certain way, but then when I perform it, maybe I should you know. Think about that, and, but then and when it, it plays up. on MTV ad nauseum for fucking ever, exactly. They're just MTV didn't give a fuck, man. No, yeah. of course. Yeah. You know, I, I grew up in the same generation as you guys. It wasn't until I was like in high school that I started actually realizing that I was saying a bad thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. You know? Oh my god, <laughs> I got out of I got out of trouble in I want to say tenth grade. Of course, I went to a weird tiny Christian weirdo school in West Virginia, but they thought, somebody thought they heard me swear, which they absolutely did. But I got out of it by saying, I said faggot instead of the other F-bomb that they thought I said. Wow. You can and say fuck like, on the show, like, by the way, Jeremy. I know, fucking. <laughs> I, I, said, I said fucking something, and the guy's like, what? And I said, no, I said faggot something. And the guy's, wow. my, my gym teacher was like, oh, 
Oh, that's fine. That's yeah, fine. I'm like 15. Whoa. And that All was, right. That was my out. It's going to be shirts and skins. We're going out to play Smear the yes. Queer. Yes. Oh, we oh, did. We, yeah. dude, we totally played Smear the Queer. Oh, it's so gross. Yes, I know. So it's fucked. But, like, that's the era. We're talking, like, that's like five years after this, too. Right, right. So, I'm... And, again, you know my feeling on this band. Not a fan. But maybe they recorded it a thing that he thought was this will make a statement and it didn't go the way he thought and he was like okay we're gonna pivot and do something different which i commend him for because like to notice that especially in that era that early like you said before the the mm -hmm. live aid thing he was already do using a different word right and that's interesting to me and i mean i fucking love mark knopfler which is it almost gives a, a more interesting sense that he so quickly, rec you know, recognized and was like, "Oh, I'm, I'll just switch this when I'm yeah. doing it." That's not literally okay. the same year. Yeah, I, and and I do think that that the character that the 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 narrator of Money for Nothing, I do think that that is a it's a critique, not a praise on the person. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, because, well, you know, the, the story was like, you know, Mark Knopfler's in the department store and like, I forget if it was like Motley Crue or Twisted Sister or whatever is on the TV displays. And the guy that's working in the back of the store that's moving all the refrigerators and microwaves, he's making the commentary at like, oh, look, look, that guy, those guys know how to do it. You don't need to work. And he's using colorful language and describing that those guys figured out the easy life. But he's saying this to Mark Knopfler unknowingly. Like who someone guy, who, someone who would be categorized. Yeah, like he's not wearing the eyeliner like crew, but he he plays the guitar on the MTV. You know, like he has a very long headscarf. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is so, the video. Like, yeah, you know, it, it's like it, it, like like Paul Simon would do character studies and and sketches of people that he would meet, and I think that that song was kind of like a, a sketch of a dude that he had an encounter with, and he was using the dude's actual terminology. And even in the music video, that part is sang by the animated character, not mm -hmm. by the clips where it shows Dire Straits, you know? Yeah, I don't know why his reasoning on changing it up live, but... I do. If, if, if I was him, bad. I would have, you know? I, I, I would have changed look. it up live, you know? Yeah, it's not a good look. Especially, yeah, if people, if people are taking them the wrong way and not knowing that it's like a, like a, a, a satire, a commentary, that's, you know? That's my question. Okay, would, that's would, my bigger question. It would be this. like... One of the good skinheads explained to you how they're not the bad skinhead yes. because <laughs> yeah, like, no, no. <laughs> I don't like my analogy perch. I'm a yes, sharp. Yes. I'm a sharp, but I'm not a skinhead. Um, so is one of the things because we've run into this before, right? Randy Newman. Mm -hmm. um, there's been uh, others that I'm not thinking of, but is music a a a way that it's very difficult to tell you oh, to, to to speak. Yeah, Elvis Costello. Mm -hmm. Is it hard for you to um, uh, explain you, that you're you playing a her? character? Yeah, that you're playing someone else when you are, in fact, singing those lyrics. If you have a movie, obviously it's a different person, it's a different actor, that you, you, you recognize that as a character. Right. When you are at a play, you recognize that's a different thing. If it's a book, it's Obviously, someone spoken by someone else who's a character, you know. But when you're doing a song like this and you're doing both parts, right? You're mm -hmm. the singer, so you don't just have some random guy that comes up that plays a character. 
is it hard to convey that because if someone isn't paying a total attention to the yeah. lyrics and what you're it's, saying, yeah. that they can get confused and think, well, why is this guy, you know, talking about Hitler? It's the whatever. Both, it's the both parts thing. Okay. Because uh, like on on a Randy Newman level, he never he never switches. Like that's this is the character. These are the people I'm talking about. This is the song. Next song. Yeah. Okay. So you're saying if you stay in character the whole time, it might I mean, convey something well, else? Well, maybe, maybe give one of your bandmates like the, uh, <laughs> oh no, this, this, is, your, this is your line. <laughs> and then that's their problem. <laughs> at, at first I was going to say, well, you know, like someone like Randy Newman has established throughout his long career that this is something that he does. Uh, you, you expect Randy Newman to be singing from a character as opposed to Mark Knopfler. But then even Randy Newman, even Randy Newman, people still take him literally. People are like, hey, man, short people are fine. Yeah. Well, people are stupid. And one of the things that I've, one of my big arguments that I've always had with, um, especially being such a hip-hop dork, is is people like, ooh, gangster rap. Down by the river, I shot my baby dead. Nobody thought Neil Young was murdering his wife yeah, down by the river. It's a song. Murder ballads have been around since the beginning of music. Yeah, there's a long tradition of murder ballads. Tons. I mean, nobody thought Lead Belly actually, you know, hung a whatever uh, the, in the in the pines. Yeah. Um, and and then what was the other one? The Johnny Cash shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. That's the most gangster shit. Yeah. Like that's that's Snoop Dogg. Easy. I mean, yeah. So, I think sometimes Maybe the character. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes the character is pretty obvious, and I also think that Randy Newman's pretty good at satire, and people don't get it. Yeah. Sometimes, because people are dumb. I mean, but yeah, I don't know. I don't. Yeah. It's, it's a weird. It's a fascinating thing to think about and to roll over and over and over because there, there's not really a line in art, really. Right. But here here's what I would say in counter that and I know we're getting off topic, but yeah. we'll get we'll get back there. Um This is a long song, dude. When you're <laughs> <laughs> when you're saying I shot a man in Reno or, you know, having these sort of wild tales, mm-hmm. it's 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 sort of larger than life. Whereas this Fair. would be like I'm casually being, you know, racist or I'm casually being like this and right. I could actually have done that thing it's not like Jimi hendrix i don't think he chopped a mountain down with the edge of his hand but he probably could whoa have. whoa 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 whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> hold on slow but, your roll here birch <laughs> but i do think that there is something about that where y- you can you pinpoint or you identify a certain thing and you're like uh you know, is Mick Jagger racist? He's talking about brown sugar. Oh, right. and... He just stopped playing that song live. You know, because it's... of the no, seriously, like as yeah, of, like sure. as yeah. like today, I read an article Wait, really? saying they've stopped playing brown sugar live because yeah. of the uh, the slave in like so aspect. So it's it's complicated, you know. Yeah. But I feel like it's it's very hard to do in a song structure. I think that's what I'm trying to get out of it. Is 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 that is it very? Is it hard to convey these ideas in a song structure more more than any other type of media? 
Long answer short, yes. It might okay. be harder. Okay. Because I, I mean, well, and, and to your point about the sort of almost caricature version versus something that's a little more subtle and to be seen by some, say, dumbass going like, oh, I agree with short people. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the uh, thing is right. Randy Newman kind of stopped playing uh, the good old boys because he was like, oh, these what, people agree that? with me. Or like the people who Ooh. like listen to rednecks and think like, that's me, buddy. Yeah. Like he literally says, I don't know my ass from a hole in the ground. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's who you're, you're like. Yeah, man, that's me. Woo, buddy. <laughs> okay, early Kyler. sure i've heard your latest trick while i was on hold before man <laughs> fuck that song I know, right? that's a bad song uh i have i have one hot take from ann that she's not here she said that's the song that your babysitter plays you when he uh, <laughs> invites you over but then stays there with a, a bottle of white wine <laughs> that he offers you oh. and, then, and there's no child <laughs> that's oddly specific <laughs> What's that one called? <laughs> Your latest trick. I'll skip that one. Yeah, not. I'm skip. I liked the first one. So. It is such a sappy, soft melody that it just. It's, it's not saccharine. I, I, the, they, there are three great songs back to back to back on uh, the first side of this, and then, uh, I mean, again, can you imagine if "Why Worry" was five minutes as opposed to eight minutes and thirty-one seconds? Yeah. Look a little more palatable. I'm telling you, the LP version is probably way better. Is anyone in this uh, group jaded enough to hate on Walk of Life? Because I'm not. Yes. I, I hate it. I am. I love it. I've hated it since I heard it. I, I, I can't hear the opening stanza of Walk of Life and not just be in a great mood. I hate it. It's, it's, it does. I, oh, that great. me. I like the Walk of Life project. I don't. I. <laughs> oh, dude, I love the Walk of Life project. I, I think it. it's fantastic. And like they play the baseball games on the organ because it's one of those organ songs. That's like I'm sitting there watching yeah. it. Like, oh, this could be in my head for a month. I think it's really the lyrics for me, because it's uh, like Johnny Go. Yeah. I mean, I could make those lyrics up. Like, James coming down with the gun in her hand, gonna say something American, gonna shoot her man. And he's playing. He's playing all the old classics. That's why they're name dropping, dropping like Bebopalula and What I Say. And yeah. Stuff. It's, it's a it's a dude trying to make ends meet by playing old songs in the tunnels, and that's why they're like, trying to make them pay because like he's hoping they throw some change in his case. So okay. Oh, it okay. Like, it sounds like Mellencamp doing Tom Waits though. I would love. To What's see wrong that? with that, Jeremy? <laughs> yeah, get out of here, Jeremy. <laughs> God, that would. Pay dollar oh. bills to see Mellencamp do Tom Waits. If, if Mellencamp could do a good Tom Waits cover, I'd be, I'd be. In, he uh, smokes like, enough. He could probably I mean, get yeah, there. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, Rod Stewart did a fucking good Tom Waits cover. You're, you're right though. It is a very Mellencamp 
uh, style song, so it'll probably fit right in with a uh, Springsteen, Mellencamp. Yeah. They're playing Walk of Life. It's yeah. like Beck making fun of Mellencamp. Uh, John Fogarty's Center Field. Oh, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's not called Right Field? It's called Center Field. You're thinking of a different song called Right Field. Okay. <laughs> Center Field's Put Me In, Coach. Oh, I hate that fucking song. Not the, uh, <laughs> I play oh right field. field. It's important, it's important you, you know. know. Put you me gotta in, Coach. Know I'm ready to play. You gotta know how to throw. That's I don't know who a, does that one. I don't know. It's from a Pizza Hut commercial that, that was in front commercial of before the, like Home Alone or something. No, before the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. <laughs> oh, is that what it was? On VHS, for, yes. Another reason that it's just burned into my brain. Forever I'm like, why do I want a personal pan pizza right now? <laughs> Did I just fill out my library card for booking? <laughs> uh, what do you think of Why Worry? The song we're listening to right now. It's a pretty I think song. It's pretty. It's very pretty. Yeah. I like the harmonies. Yeah, it's just... This it, album's it, got some range. There was no reason for it to be 8 minutes and 30 seconds long. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with Four that. Four tops. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I'm giving them 5 minutes and 22 seconds. I think it would be a... a, a, a this album contains the first song ever to be released on single on CD format. And that was the title track, Brothers in Arms. For real? That's a, it's a pretty good song. Yeah. It is. It is. But yeah, it sounds yeah. great on the first compact disc you ever heard. I bet it sounds wonderful. Yeah, they they said that. I mean, when they recorded this, they he was always for pushing the sort of recording quality, and this they wanted to go digital, and that's why it sounds so clean. It has good production, and it actually won the um, Grammy, uh, nineteen eighty six, for best engineered album. Huh. Uh, it's using that. Uh, it's like a brand new Sony uh, 24-track digital tape machine. Digital tape machine. Mm-hmm. For all that digital tape. I'd like to hear Yola Tango's cover of that song. I'd like to hear Yola okay. Tango just well, about that'd anything. be interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But maybe but, worth it. Yeah, man, minutes. why? Why worry? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that'd yeah. be cool. Yeah, the eight minutes on this song. It just. <laughs> We're like halfway through. We know how it ends. Um, but yeah, I. You know what I liked, uh, or what would be the second half if we were listening to the the LP version? Um, the second track on side two would be uh, "The Man's Too Strong." I think that fucking song is probably my favorite on the record. Really? Yeah, it's a cool one. And I think that it it gets so cool. Yeah, you're right. That's that does bring it back a little bit. Is that this one? Now this is a a ride across the the river, river. which just sounds like a police song. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. It totally does. Speaking of police, so. The, the story of Sting. Oh my god, it does. <laughs> the story yeah. of, speaking of police, the story of Sting. <laughs> that, that's, that's my, that, that, that's, that's my, mem- my biography oh, uh, please, of, of Sting. <laughs> now, uh, so they, uh, Dire Straits recorded this album on the, uh, the Caribbean island of Montserrat. And Sting happened to be out there wing sur- windsurfing like he does. <laughs> like he does. <laughs> and when, when, they, when they caught wind of Sting being nice. on the island. Thank you. They invi- uh, Knopfler invited him over for dinner. And so they had dinner and he played them uh, what they had been working on, which was money for nothing. And Sting was like, you bastards, you've done it. Like, wh- what a cool song. And Mark was like, well, you think you could add anything to it? You want to? And uh, he just went to the studio that night and laid down 
and, and basically com- came up with the uh, marketing campaign for MTV. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I want my MTV. I want my MTV. Isn't that wild? MTV. He just he would just windsurf and buy. <laughs> Waving at him. Yes. Yeah. Does that sting? <laughs> oi! 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 <laughs> We're listening to the man's too strong right now, and I had been, I had been listening for a a steel resonator guitar on this album since it's what the album cover is, and uh, the man's too strong. It's the only song that I hear one on. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, has to be on. They probably put it in the background of something else. You would Why know not? what that they sounds sound, like. They sound cool. I would know what that sounds like. <laughs> I, I was in a group where the guitar player primarily played those resonator guitars. Yeah. This, by the way, the guitar work is so good. Like, it <laughs> is. That's what I'm saying. These solos. Man, I, mean, I mean, I didn't right now right across the river. <laughs> I know. Super good. Some of it. I don't like the singles still. It's okay. I do not. Has oh has a really good quality. Yeah, this is definitely a police song. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. That's wild. They Andy can... Sumner wishes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the drummer for Dire Straits, he got uh, he got removed from this record. What? Yes. Yeah, he, he was. Uh, he was excused. <laughs> he, they, they, he was not putting down what they needed, and they hired in a studio gun oh uh yeah omar is a studio guy yeah uh they they did not fire their drummer they just excused him from the recording sessions yep. wait so yeah. he had played along the whole time then they were just like bouncing for a few brought somebody th- in. for a few tr- the, he didn't do the whole record they're just okay. like this isn't working you go 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 wind surface sting yeah um <laughs> but yeah then uh brought in omar and he did all the stuff but the drummer got credit songwriting credit um for everything uh but specifically money for nothing it was his idea to have it crescendo into the uh the little finger picky thing oh, okay. yeah yeah and i think they, they edited it out so uh the drummer for dire streets is terry williams and they replaced his recordings with omar hakim's for everything on the album except the drum intro to money for nothing okay yeah yeah that's that, that's old Terry, great which intro. you know, good for Terry. It's a great intro, mm-hmm. and I'm glad that Terry they, they at least let him like have something. I mean, uh, Omar came uh, in other than other than like a free vacation to Montserrat. Yeah, Omar came in and within like four days, like I gotta do another thing later, and like that was it. Uh, and then when they were touring, like uh, Terry was back on board. Yeah. Hired guns, man. Yeah. Uh, also, Guy Fletcher, uh, who is new to the band, he's the one playing the synth rig that ha- uh, consisted of a new Yamaha DX1, a couple of Roland keyboards. Yeah, DX1. And a synth clavier. That DX1, there was I think 160 made. Wow. Mm-hmm. Total. Like that. That was that predates the DX7. It was the first of the DX line. Mm-hmm. It's it's a gigantic, amazing piece of equipment that doesn't. No, no one, no one owns them. Yeah, so that's awesome. one. But I think yeah, that, except for Richard James. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that was a. It's a really interesting that we got this and we got um the uh, ZZ Top Eliminator. Eliminator. Yeah. Emma said afterburner. Um, I would double back again, baby. <laughs> Do you think that Billy just brought it over to Montserrat when he came to consult on guitar tones? I mean, I really think Dire Straits studied that album 
up and down and really figured out how they could also incorporate you know they're from an old school yeah. kind of yeah yeah you know finger picking kind of rock and roll band you know they're a straight straight ahead rock band but they really incorporated the synth into this and they they do it well they looked at all those other bands and they said no we can't do synth, you know synthetic drums so we're gonna have to figure out something else so. And Billy Gibbons is like, hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> hold my beard. for nothing video he didn't want to do any videos because he thought it would taint the you know the purity of the singer songwriter uh the performing artist and so uh they sort of uh convinced him to do the right thing because they were you know they knew it would blow up on mtv and man he's like i want to be the one that says faggot Um, that video though is early computer generated oh my God. figures. It's awesome. Wow. And the, it, not only computer generated, the footage of the band is rotoscoped with like neon That's highlighters. Right. It's, right. it's rad. Yeah. yeah. It's like a trapper keeper. It's like, like love some good rotoscope. Lisa Loeb. No, 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 no. Lisa Frank. Lisa Frank. <laughs> yes. Not Loeb. And Frank. Um, and Loeb. <laughs> But yeah, I, I I watched that video again this week, and I feel like that video just just like the Aha video. I think everybody saw that video and was like, "Oh, we got to do this now." You know, yeah. I, I, I prefer Weird Al's work. <laughs> I know you the do. Weird Al's version, <laughs> it, it, dude, it is that the attention to detail on that tribute is is spectacular. Hey, we got the, my favorite song on the record. Which one's this? The man's too strong. Oh, we're still two from the end. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we're, 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 we're not going to make it. Yeah. <laughs> this is really good though. Yeah, Man's Too Strong just is a throwback. Yeah. And there's that resonator speaking of throwbacks. Mm-hmm. Kick into that chorus. It's like Giant a guitars, like it's like twelve guitars. Yeah, it's like a it's oh, almost like a pink Floyd like. Yeah. Yeah, it's real good. It's so good. Uh, I would listen to this album like if it was five songs, the good ones that I love. Yeah, EP like, all the time. EP. And the others I could well, especially Walk Alive, but like that's my thing. But like, dump oh, those. Man, Walk Alive wouldn't that's, be on your EP at Brothers Ben. ben. <laughs> I know you, this is a podcast, but I, I have the, the finger up. Stop. Um, no, I love these other songs, though, and I'm kind of mad that I didn't sit and listen to this before this because I really did. No, yeah, well, you, you still can. It's fucking good. Yeah, no, they're like the, the back half is not as strong in my, but it's got that my estimation. Guitar. 
because I really do like those three singles. But yeah. uh, again, Man's Too Strong is, is my favorite track on this. So it's real good. Yeah. Yeah. How do we feel? Should I, we go around? Sure, man. Like the I got five stars next to out of nine tracks, and I think that that is more than positive. Okay. So, yeah, I'm on board. Um, again, I'd rather I want to see what the LP version sounds like. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a I, I think that's gonna be where I would be like all the stars. Okay. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Positive. Yeah. I'm gonna go positive as well. Uh, I like this record. I like this record, and I think it's a good record. I think I think that this record is a. I think it's very 1985 and I think it's one of the highlights of 1985. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like as far as like sounds, like the sounds that Dire Straits is doing, you know, right along with, you know, hunting high and low and eliminator, you know, there's just like, we've had synthesizers in rock and roll for a while, but it feels like some bands are incorporating them differently this year. And I like the way that, that Dire Straits is adapting to the eighties sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think it's cool that they can uh, that they can bend and not break, and I, and I think there's some good songs on this record, more songs than there are bad songs. Yeah, for me, it's I, I mean I'll probably just go neutral. I just um, I just won't put this on again, and I feel like my gut is just telling me that if that's the case, if I have to think about if I want to listen through this whole album again, it's it's a neutral for me. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't dislike a lot of it, and I do like. Knopfler's playing. I mean, that's something to be revered for sure. And the production quality, great. It's just not. It's just the the songs just don't speak to me. A lot of them. So you're right though. About four or five out of out of nine. But there's yeah. only nine songs. So yeah. You know. I'm. I, are you more of like a Dire Straits greatest hits guy? Um, I think I would pick and choose because it's not like I. I think you just like three of these greatest hits. I don't like any of the. Greatest At least one of them. Uh, I'm not a big Walk of Life. I mean, Walk of Life has its time and its places. Maybe at a ball game, you're right. Maybe that's fine, you know, it, because that is, you know, you're singing Take Me Out to the Ballpark and all that kind of stuff. Okay, kind of kind of mixes well. But if I heard that on the radio, I'd just be like, no, I don't need to hear this again. And No, man, turn it up. Well, no. I how, about, from... uh, how about like Sultan's a Swing? I do like Sultan's a Swing. Ooh, yeah, I, I like, like that song. I think Money for Nothing is... Um, it's okay. I can kind of jam to that, but at the same time, like I was saying, it's ZZ Top, and I would put on any other ZZ Top before I would probably put on Money for Nothing. Um, hey, Birch, can you do me a favor? Sure. Uh, can you rewind it a little bit into the Man's Too Strong to the like one of the first choruses, or, or as close as you can to it? I'm pretty sure that Mellencamp stole a thing for Jack and okay. Diane off of this. Oh, shit. Okay. Nice. Let me hear Jeremy's take. Yeah, what do you think, buddy? So, I... Well, I said in the message that I actively dislike this band. Um, kind of still true, but I would say this went from a zero to me to like a four or five. So like a neutral. There's, well, there's it's definitely neutral, but there's like some of those moments, there was some birdsy things, there was also the playing and the production is phenomenal. Like, I love Knopfler. Like, I, I think the Princess Bride soundtrack is one of the greatest things ever made. The what soundtrack? Princess Bride. Oh, shit, that's Mark Knopfler, yeah! yeah. Yep. I love his soundtrack work, and I like a lot of his, like, solo stuff that I've heard. I just never got into Dire Straits, and maybe it's, I wasn't into that type of music when it came out. But, like, solid, man. There's some good stuff. I didn't hate all of it. I still hate Walk of Life. 
Sorry. I still hate Salt and Spring. And I still hate the... What's the other single that, that I don't like? Money for Nothing or something? Money for like... Nothing. God damn it. Yeah, so... But, like, there's some good stuff on here. And I am not a convert, but I appreciate it. It's better than I thought it was. Cool. Much. All right. Let's back it up to... What is it? Man Too Strong? Uh, yeah, Man Too Strong. Just uh, somewhere close to one of the choruses. So I think the... Uh, it goes right to Jack and Diane for oh, oh the trench oh yeah. shit yeah you're talking about yep. like wild nights or whatever no that's uh that's Jack and Diane, Diane. Yeah, yeah. yeah totally when did that come out yeah I was gonna say that later pretty close though yeah the a couple years later I mean, that, 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 that's on Scarecrow right or is that Pink Houses I don't know, but I've ripped all you guys off in my shit. I think, I, think, I think Pink Houses <laughs> ripped every one of you, like where I heard a part, and I was like, oh, I'm going to use that. So I wouldn't be surprised at all. All right, next time we'll be talking about Prefab Sprout, Steve McQueen. All right, thanks, y'all. Baptisms of fire. I've witnessed your suffering. As the In the fear and the love